Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast in our fair city that covers our schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. It is championship season for our local high school sports here in the spring. Baseball, softball, lacrosse. We're going to cover a little bit of everything and talk about how people on the mound and in the circle are really changing the way we're covering local sports this spring. As always, this show is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And as always, we are the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Garbasio. Our other co-host, Tyler Hendrickson, couldn't be with us today. Uh, that partnership with the Long Beach Post uh, contains so much more than just sports coverage. Also doing a, a lot of education coverage for them, including coverage of today's school board meeting that's going to happen uh, after we record. Um, and uh, news, breaking news, just before we hopped on that uh, the LBUSD has reached a settlement um, for a new contract with the CSEA, which is the second largest union in the school district. Uh, big news there. That had been a contract debate that had been going on for quite some time, including threats of strike. So very happy uh, to see that uh, all sides able to come together and knock that out. A lot of stuff going on for you, Mike, with that education coverage. And it is, uh, it's is—it's really good, man. This city needs it. This city needs journalism, both sports and otherwise. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about how people, businesses, groups have been getting in on sponsoring these certain sports and schools at the 562.org right now. So make sure you hit us up with an email. Easiest emails of all time, everybody. JJ at the 562.org. Mike at the 562.org. Tyler at the 562.org. Let us know how you want to get involved with supporting local sports. Now, uh, I, I apologize for the froggy throat. It was, uh, it was a late night last night. We were covering softball at Lisa Fernandez Field, the preeminent Moore League softball rivalry. And basically, it was a championship game. Now, Milliken and Long and Lakewood have been rivals forever, and in softball, it gets heated. But it also is so cool. There's not a lot of stuff out there in high school sports that's completely different. But I've never covered another high school sports or another high school softball game under the lights, Mike. It's the one. It's the one and only. It's a. It's a great setup there, like with the stands and everything. The big big crowd. And last night did not disappoint. Milliken beating Lakewood four two. Clinching a share of the title. They're going to try to clinch the whole thing today at 3 o'clock. It is, we are recording this uh, on a Wednesday. And, uh, and it was just another reminder, Mike, of how much fun high school sports can be because there were a couple big emotional swings. And those girls know how to celebrate out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think you mentioned, like, there's two things. There's the setting. It's great that it's at night. It's great that it's at Lisa Fernandez. And you get these big crowds. But there is also the genuine emotion behind the rivalry and I think, um, you know, when Lakewood beat Milliken there, you, you saw Lakewood really enjoy it. And we really saw Milliken enjoy it last night. They're doing the L uh, for Lakewood at Lakewood. You know, they're, they're uh, making some comments uh, and certainly dancing on the field and stuff. And, you know, we talked to the Milliken, um, Tyler and I uh, talked to the Milliken coach. She's first year coach. And she said she was like, she told you after that first game against Lakewood, she's like, I was not prepared for the passion of this rivalry. Um, because of what you said, it just, it, it, it doesn't really exist. And it's weird because it sort of exists in other sports between Millican and Lakewood. The baseball teams really love playing each other. There's a great rivalry there, but there's just a different level of emotion with these softball games for whatever reason. And so, you know, she coach is saying like, yeah, we've got to enjoy it, but we've got to remember we're going to play them twice next year too, you know, maybe rein it in a little bit. Um, but she said, she's like, I just, I've never experienced anything like this. She's like at the previous school she coached, I think Catella, She's like, we had a rival, but you know, you get like 30 or 40 people there. You wouldn't have 
the stands packed and they're three rows deep in the outfield, the way that that Lakewood Millican series has been. And, and was she, it last night? She was at Kennedy and their arrival was Cypress. So yeah, Lakewood Millican, a little different than Kennedy Cypress. For sure. Remember. And I, but that, but that's, what's fun about it. And, you know, we talked to, um, to, to Ava Schaffel afterwards and she said like, um, I'm really close friends with some of the girls on that Lakewood team, you know, we're on the same travel team. We've been friends for a long time, but when they put the red on and we put the blue on and you come out here and you know, you're not friends for a couple hours, you know, I just, I, I think that's healthy. I like that aspect of sports. So, um, I, I loved it. I had a blast, uh, hustled over after, uh, after, you know, stopping by the dirtbag game for, for a couple hours to, uh, to get to catch the last couple innings and was very glad that I got to, cause, uh, it is, it is such a special night for sure. Shaffle with a special performance. That's a sophomore stepping up huge in a moment like that at the end of a season. I'm sure her best softball is ahead of her. And we'll be talking about other things that she does in her career here in Long Beach, but that's pretty big. So not only do does Milliken lose their first game against Lakewood, they lose their pitcher, Victoria Byram, on the final play of the game. She tried to field a bunt and get it back home to cut the runner down, but she hurt herself, so she hasn't been playing. So that means the sophomore Shaffle has to step up into the clutch point of the season and perform for the defending Marley champions. Not only does she do that, she threw a no-hitter against Wilson last week, and then she backs that up by throwing that gem last night holding Lakewood to two runs. Not a lot was her fault. Not a lot of hard hit balls. There were a couple errors in the game that led to some unearned runs, but Shaffle is a star, Mike. Yeah, for sure. Um, and she's one of those kids that you're watching her and the whole time you're excited about what she's doing in the moment, but you're also excited whenever you cover a sophomore who's playing like that, you're like, oh, we get two more years of this. You know, it's incredible. And obviously she's now very invested in that rivalry too, but yeah, between that no hitter and then what she did against Lakewood, um, you know, I, th- I think it's kind of crazy because uh, <laughs> Milliken already had the best pitcher in the league coming back. <laughs> and then they add in this like sophomore stud. Um, it's been, it's been kind of crazy for sure, but every time they've looked to her, she stepped up in those big moments. Check the site right now for all of that softball coverage, story, video, photos from that game on Tuesday. And then obviously from the game today, Wednesday, no matter what happens, it's definitely going to be interesting. And that has been the case for more league softball recently. Speaking of interesting and, oh my gosh, have we ever seen this before? What a night at Bull Diamond at Blair Field last Friday, Mike. It was the first place game that caught our attention. Obviously, we will talk about the uh, the other game between Polly and Wilson. But Milliken Lakewood at Bull Diamond at Blair Field, like you said, also a bit of a rivalry. Well, yes. And let me just put it like this. You and I have, uh, this is year 15 for us. And I was there for the first game, uh, that Polly Wilson game, which was really exciting, left to go to the pyramid to cover the Long Beach State men's volleyball team, got out, saw that it was scoreless through five and was like, I got to get back to Blair. This is going to be one of those nights, you know? And when I say one of those nights, if you've been following our coverage for a long time, and, uh, you, you know, JJ, uh, Tyler and I were just at Wilson on Monday for their dodgeball championship. And we ran into what's the, what's the name of the student manager over at Wilson who, uh, who's Oh my guy, favorite? Drake, Drake. I mean, this is a dude, he's like a Gazette sports five, six, two sports, like super fan. He's rattling off the, you know, all the videos of chase DeYoung young and, and the no hitters that we've covered, uh, in, in the past. And he's right. It just, it was one of those nights. And I think everyone knew it by the time I got back to Blair 
I think there was 10 times the crowd there that there was when I had left. Um, and it was just, everyone knew they were going to see something special and, um, you know, Miles Patton and Anthony Ionson special is the only word to describe it. You just, those are the games you, you dream about growing up and, and they really delivered. So got to start with Ant. Anthony Ionson is, um, the best athlete in more league baseball, maybe one of the best athletes in the more league full stop. I'm, I'm not sure. I think that's definitely a, a level of athleticism that could get him looked at to go to the next level, maybe get on some draft boards and stuff. All of that, notwithstanding this kid can pitch. And he did that. No hitter through the seven innings that he worked against Lakewood, excuse me, against Milliken. It, um, it was magic, Mike. He's got that sinking fastball. He's got the presence on the mound. He doesn't give up a hit in seven innings. And then his team lost. Visions of Chase Young dancing in our heads. I mean, yeah, you feel super bad for him in those instances, but I think to both pitchers credit, you know, the game just, it was kind of going to stay. It felt like that way forever until they both hit that pitch count. And it was sort of like, okay, the new game is on after that pitch count came in and no, nothing against anyone who comes in to follow those guys. It's just, they're the seniors who've been waiting for this moment. Um, And I think, I was really thinking about coming through COVID, man, just, you know, to be honest with you, we just, it's so nice to be back at Blair this year um, for those high school doubleheaders. And it's so nice to have the crowds back and everything. And I, you know, it was, we talk about the pandemic started in 2020, but you know, it, it, it cut the whole baseball season off. The last time we had this was 2019. These kids were freshmen in high school, you know, I mean, it it just, it's like, and I just thought it was so special that, in a year where we do have these uh, these great seniors on every team that, you know, everyone got to experience that, including the Polly and Wilson kids who stayed behind to to soak it up as well. Well, before we move on to that Polly Wilson game, we also have to mention Miles Patton. Obviously, we've talked so much about what he did for that baseball program last year on their run to the CIF championship. Again, just absolute nails in a winning performance. He pitched into the eighth inning. He had 13 strikeouts in all doing it on a mound that we hope he pitches a lot from Miles Patton, a Long Beach dirtbag signee, which kind of makes watching him at that field feel a little bit different. Right, right Mike? Yeah, because I think um, when you look at all, uh, all, all three of these, uh, these senior pitchers that are signed with the Big West, Charlie Royal with Cal Poly and, and uh, Ant with UCSD, and then Miles with the dirtbags, it's like very possible we're going to see these matchups again at Blair. You know, obviously a lot of work to do, I think, for all three of them before they're a, a, a college starter. Um, but they're all really bright, focused, motivated kids who you feel like are going to put that work in. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely something I was thinking about. I was like, we might get Miles Patton and Anthony Ianson back at this field on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> or Friday night or something uh, in college, you know. And I, I think that absolutely adds to sort of the magic of those moments. It also adds to the magic of the moments that uh, that first place was on the line. That could have been at any time, any year, and it would have been awesome. But the fact that it was also for first place in the Moore League, I think, meant a little bit more. Because like you said, yeah, there are arms in this league. I mean, we're not, not talking about Ryan Shonsby right now, but he can, he can pitch. He can play baseball. And so can Charlie Royal. And Charlie Royal's dealing with an injury for the Wilson Bruins right now. He's been their ace all year. He was their ace all last year as well, basically taking the ball in all of the big games. And uh, like Kirk Gibson trades in his sneakers for spikes mid game in that, in that game against Polly to come in and record the save. So we've got Anthony Ianson, Miles Patton, 
and Charlie Royal. You got a draft, Mike. You got first pick. Who are you taking? I know it's tough. It's I'm tough. taking him as a hitter as well. Um, no, just pitcher. That makes just pitching. Fun. Yeah, that makes him. If fun. it's pitching and hitting, I would probably Obviously. take Ianson. If it's pitching alone, I would probably take uh, Patton. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I'd say Patton is probably uh, the most polished. Like the like, you know what I mean? The guy who's in the most control of the game as a high school pitcher. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, Ianson. I think he's just got the dirtiest stuff. Yeah, I you know what I mean. Agreed. Yeah, and then I, I, to be honest with you, I think Charlie Royal is just like a calming presence. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So like he. It feels like he's older than all of his teammates, but they're all yeah. in the same grade. <laughs> right. And, and, and you know, who, know, who knows? I mean, obviously the games have gone the way that they've gone. I don't know that I would definitively say I would like rank them and say that Charlie is the third best of those three, but I, but no, I, would no, no, say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. And even by saying that Ianson yeah. has the better stuff doesn't mean that he's a better pitcher. Right. Anybody, but, what, but, but, but what I would say is whichever one of those three guys you or anyone else wants to call the third best pitcher it's the best third best guy we've had in a decade. Um, and is I it think the best third is, is the best third best guy in all of the Southern section. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's some really, you know, power packed D one leagues and stuff, you know, and, and some of those um, Valley teams have got, you know, multiple draft prospects on, on a roster, but for long beach. Yeah. I mean, I think you definitely have to go back, you know, at least a decade to where we're looking at, especially because they're spread out on three teams, which I love too. You know what I mean? And then I think you see for Polly, I mean, it's, you feel bad for Rhino. Uh, He's sort of been willing to do so much. um, And he's such a great athlete and a great kid, but I think you see from the standings, the way it's shaken out that it's just one of those years, man, you either had a division one signed college level pitcher who's been training for this moment for 10 years, or, you know, it's tough to keep up with it with everyone this year. And, And that's, that to me is like, that's Long Beach. It's not just the emotion and the hustle, but it's also the talent. And, um, and, and I think that it's been, it's been special to see that out of those three guys this year, for sure. And, um, and it, it, it's, I, I do, I do really feel it's like, it's hard luck for Rhino because he's such a great player and it's a real sacrifice to tell your coach, like, yes, I'll step up and be a pitcher this year, knowing that every time you're on the mound against those guys, you're going up against guys where specifically pitching is what they've been training to do, you know, this whole time. Uh, whereas that's not been the case for rhinos. So um, great league season this year. It certainly feels like those standings are, are taking shape, as you said. Um, and I, I think we, you know, Milliken's all but clinched the title is, is always how we say it. You know, they, they've still got to take care of business against the teams that are not in the playoffs. Um, and they'd like to win it by themselves and they'd like to not lose a game. You know, I think they'd like to make a statement. I think you get that vibe from that team for sure. Um, so that's uh, that's all still in front of them for sure. But at this point, you know, it would take something really surprising for them to not end up as league champs. Yeah, and it's the the closer these league races are, we've talked about it before. The closer the league races are, kind of the less <laughs> the less successful the postseasons are for these leagues. That being said, I don't think, like you said, I don't think we've gone into the playoffs with three arms like this. Um, so in the playoffs, Mike, you're the manager of, of, of whatever team. Yeah. Do you put your ace pitcher on a tight pitch count and then pull him in the first round to save him to be able to pitch again in the next game? Are the playoffs, are we assuming it's like a Tuesday, Friday, you get two games in that first week. I think if I'm Milliken, 
I mean, I think if I'm Milliken, Lakewood, or Wilson, I might think, you know what, I've really got the fixings here for a run, and I'm going to try and do what coaches used to do back in the day and go second round with those guys and just try and score enough runs in the, in, in the first round. But to say, you know what, like if you're Milliken, it's like you won a D3 championship last year. So what, what does it mean to you to get to the second round of lose? You, you know, like go for it. You know, try and maybe set it up to where um, you've got your guy pitching in the second round in the semifinals. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, there's a, there's always a lot of controversy around that. I don't really think there's a right approach for a coach. That would be my approach this year because I do think Milliken, they are in a higher division, but they're number six in division two. Um, and, you know, Wilson has shown it stretches. Uh, they've been up and down a little bit this year, but they've definitely shown it stretches that they have what it takes to win that D4 bracket. Um, and so I, I think I would, that's that, I think that would be my strategy, to be honest with you. Yes, I'd go even further than what your, your hypothetical was and just go, hey, man, you're going to start on Friday. Let's make sure we go win this game, you know? Yeah, it's odd. It's odd with the odd number of games. So if you throw them in that first one, maybe you can get them into three games. But I think that would be number one. My number one strategy is no matter what, may ha- get them their maximum amount of appearances, not just yeah. the maximum amount of pitch count, but get them in as many games as possible. If we can go four innings, three innings, four innings, three innings, that's what right. you're talking about. Yeah, right. Because it changes yeah. because it changes the way you play, right? Like I was just talking about Charlie Royal. Actually, you can read more about Charlie Royal right now on the 562.org, a feature by one of our high school interns, Nina Fife. A great job by her. And just a great kid in Charlie Royal. And uh, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the type of guy I'm talking about. I want people to be scared of him coming into the game every time I play in the postseason. Yeah. No, I mean, 100%. And, and I think Wilson, um, you know, we saw with Eckenrode, like uh, Wilson's got – other other pitchers too you know i mean there's some depth there in that staff so um and i I think we'll see the same from milliken it's sort of weird when you cover these league games because you just get the one guy and then as we saw with milliken you know we go on that playoff ride um with milliken last year and you see the whole staff you know because it's just you you can't like you said you can't go 14 innings a week (laughs) you know with one guy um so yeah it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens man i'm i'm uh, i'm very excited and i will say every week i'm a little bit more optimistic about how um how the playoffs is gonna go for these long beach teams yep we'll have to wait and see obviously speaking of championships one more lacrosse mike lacrosse has had a very very interesting few years like you said obviously the pandemic cut down the middle part of Anybody who's a upperclassman right now and lacrosse rough, dude, get canceled season canceled. You don't get to have a season the next time around. And then this time around the referees for boys uh, lacrosse in the CIF Southern section decided to take a week off to show that they are unhappy with the way that they get paid. So if you're a senior and you're a lacrosse player, you've played half a season. <laughs> That's rough, man. Yeah, it's pretty tough. And I, you know, I, as we, I think we mentioned this on the podcast last week when this is just starting to develop, like I'm always pro, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to criticize him for, for wanting fair pay. And I, I commend the CIF for coming to the table and, and with the officials association for getting this done quickly so we could get back to it. Um, but it is definitely like we heard from a lot of parents and kids. It's just like, just that sinking feeling, you know, of like, oh, I thought this year, we weren't going to have to you know, have some kind of a interruption or cancellation or reschedule senior night or, you know, whatever. So glad that they were able to work that out for sure. 
Uh, we had the girls, basically the girls' championship. There's still a match left, but uh, but Wilson Bruins take the More League title by beating Milliken for the second time this season. Our other intern, Heidi Seck, has her article on the website right now. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, but yeah, lacrosse, remember a couple of years ago, everybody was like, oh, we got to stop calling soccer the fastest growing sport in America. Well, if you were to say which is the fastest growing high school sport in California, I think I'd say lacrosse. Would you? Um, you know, it's interesting because the other sport I was going to bring up would probably be the other, the other option, which is beach volleyball, where the more league just finished their, um, their first championship, uh, last week, Polly won the team. I'm actually going over a couple hours after we record this to see the Paris championship. I think both those sports are just kind of neck and neck in terms of, it seems like there's been a really big buy-in, um, beach volleyball is a, it's so much easier to put together if you're near sand. Uh, because you really just need 10 kids and there's not a lot of equipment and, um, and it's, it's a little easier to, you know, where's lacrosse. I mean, just the equipment buy-in is pretty significant there, but I would say they're kind of, they're kind of neck and neck. Um, and it, not surprisingly, we've got, you know, a handful of schools who have just added both sports in the more league. They're the first two sports added in the more league since I think 1990. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely a, a movement that Long Beach is, uh, is very much a part of. Maybe yeah, add one in a sport that is in a season that isn't the spring next time. That's all I'm just going to possibly throw out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> very important. And also, also pretty good. Yeah, you're right. That is, that is very interesting to think about how many programs have started recently where that hasn't been a thing. I mean, even at Lakewood, they're starting their boys program and at, 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 uh, at Cabrillo, they're starting their lacrosse program, but they have to do co-ed because they don't have enough kids. You know what I mean? Right. So there's like there's certain ways they're working around the stuff. A referee strike, not having enough kids. They're trying to get these kids out there because it is a learning experience. It's a really cool vibe around local uh, lacrosse because it's got like that um, kind of feels like club sports a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. kids like kids are having full on conversations with each other. If we were at a football or a basketball game and two opponents were trying to talk, the referee would immediately come over and tell them to stop talking. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, uh, it's definitely a, it's definitely laid back. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's funny because volleyball is like, especially with Lakewood and Polly and uh, Wilson Milliken, those indoor teams are like very competitive. You know, there's like, there's a real edge sometimes to those matches and it's the exact opposite feeling on the beach or on the sand. I mean, they're just, it's so friendly. It's so supportive um, that that's kind of been cracking me up. So we are going to end this episode of What Up Long Beach with a very special interview. I just said that Cabrillo has been putting their lacrosse program together, doing it co-ed to make sure that everybody can play. And we have an interview with Coach Danny Katani Merendin, who is the coach at Cabrillo. Now, we've known Danny a long time. He's our lacrosse guy. Uh, he's absolutely in love with the sport, as you are about to hear in this interview. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting to see how dedicated someone can be to something that's so new to most sports people. So coach Danny is now here with us. Uh, thank you for taking the time coach. We appreciate it. You know, first and foremost, a lot of people who hear the sport lacrosse or field hockey or, you know, any, anything else that they've never played themselves, they immediately think, how does somebody get involved in that? So, so how did you get involved in lacrosse? How did lacrosse become such a big part of your life? So I could say how I got into lacrosse was when I was in eighth grade, I visited my grandparents back East. They live in Maryland and I am a third generation uh, lacrosse uh, coach. And 
uh, it started with my grandfather. He played at Washington College in 1961. And then his kids played the sport through their times, um, their years. And then after that, um, there, uh, my mom had me and then I um, got into it as eighth, as I said, in eighth grade. And then my aunt's kids got into it because it's big on the East Coast, I should say. Right. Kids over there start playing it right when they're young. And yeah. I just saw a lacrosse stick in the barn, as they say. So I wanted to play Cratch with the, the old man and I fell in love with it. And then by the time I got back after eighth grade, um, in the Grunion Gazette, there was an announcement for Beach City's Youth Lacrosse. And uh -huh. the guy who was starting it was uh, the former coach at Wilson, uh, Coach Glenn Styrone. And I knew that I wanted to play it in high school. And they, when I entered high school, I was going to Millican. And high schools didn't have it yet. So I was playing outside of Millican. And it was a team that consisted of a lot of high school players that never even played the sport, too but they were wanting to get something different because like, lacrosse is non-traditional. And when people hear about it, they think of hockey or basketball, football. It's a mixture right. of all that stuff. It's contact. But uh, so we played uh, teams all the way till like South um, in like Temecula area. And then as far North as Santa Clarita, because. Oh, wow. Yeah. And most of the games, we didn't have subs, so we played our hearts out. And Jeez. I was fortunate of playing all the positions, and except goalie, though. But I fell in love with it after freshman year, and I stuck to it and wanted to keep on playing. So, yeah, you got to play all the positions, which then probably made you a much better coach or mentor or even just a fan of the game because you, you were able to understand a little bit of everything, right? Exactly. Wow, exactly. okay, cool. Um, yeah, so you say you fell in love with it. What about it? Did you love so much? I mean, obviously it's active. You're moving around a lot, but, uh, but it's whole, it's wholly original. No, no other sport I can think of where if you're living in California and you watch sports, no other sport I can think of where you, some players aren't allowed to be on certain parts of the field. You know what I mean? So did you, did you like the, the, the difference, the fact that it was just different? It was because I liked, um, I liked keeping the ball rolling and that's a, what lacrosse was. It was a fast paced sport and, substitutions are on the fly like hockey and that's what i liked about it so instead of waiting like in soccer you have to wait till your number gets popped up on a screen or a substitution someone's coming off lacrosse you could sub on when someone's wanting a breather and then you go off for them and if you need a breather you come out they replace you uh the opportunity and advantage to go behind the goal was pretty surprising to me because i know like for when you watch hockey i said okay that's cool but then when you see it on tv lacrosse and you're going behind the goal you're like, oh, okay, I could do that. Right. It, it's fast paced and I like it. And the clock is running and many people are into that. So that's what I like about it. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is a, a thrill to watch. It's, you're right. It, the ball is always moving. And, and not only that, but the people, the players on the field are always moving as well. Everybody's just trying to get in a position, which probably makes coaching that much more interesting. So how did you want to get involved in coaching? How did that come about? Did you just think, oh, I really like this sport. I want to stay involved as long as possible. So I, I would love to give back to the community of City of Long Beach. And that is my main goal, especially with this sport, because lacrosse is big now in Orange County and San Diego County. And I'm really wanting it to stick in the City of Long Beach 
And when I was done playing high school, not many colleges at the time were having lacrosse. So there was no advantage there until two years later, like Long Beach State had one and then they announced it. And I was basically at Long Beach City focusing on academics and hoping, and I know some people thought I was going to play, but I was mostly academic wise. And coming to coaching, I knew I wanted to give back to the community because I wanted the kids, as boys and girls, to fall in love with a sport that I fell in love with in high school. And they have the amazing advantage or opportunity to say, you know, I'll give lacrosse a go. And they fall in love with it. Like they hear about it and then they stick with it and they're like, oh, I want to continue it in high school, like high school or like afterwards. So now that various schools have it, like the most of the schools here in Southern California have it as club teams, like Long Beach State, Cal State Fullerton, Viola. Mm-hmm. And um, now we see some NCAA teams have it as for the national team for girls like USC and Stanford. Right, so, right. And Southern California is getting big. Mostly LA County has different pockets of it. So, but I really want it to grow here in Long Beach. That's my main goal. Yeah, they always joke that soccer is the uh, fastest growing sport for the last 25 years. I think lacrosse might be able to take that title now that soccer is kind of, you know, leveled off in popularity and, and lacrosse seems to be the fastest growing. I'd say lacrosse and rugby, probably the two fastest growing sports right now. Have you noticed a difference in the way people respond to you being a lacrosse guy in the, in the last few years? Like, is it less foreign to them? Well, when they see the stick, they think they're like, okay, at first when they see a stick, they think, okay, this is a weird sport. We've never heard of it. Like uh, the only thing that they think about is her, uh, the Irish Gaelic thing. Cause they think, okay, that hurling or. Oh, hurling. And now you're talking my language, Danny. I love me some hurling. <laughs> no, but um, they think like when they see the stick, they think, okay, like it's a mixture of that. But then once they see the advantage of like kids playing, like running with a stick and then they're ready to receive a ball, catch it as well, and then cradling it and shooting or passing on the run. Then they realize, hmm, I want to give it a go. And most of the guys that are trying, most of the people that are trying it, I should say, is like, I encourage this, the football teams. Like if you want your kids to stay in shape, come out to play lacrosse in the spring. Yeah. Come summertime, you are already conditioned, ready to go for the fall season. Whereas girls, it's mostly soccer players who are already fit from soccer. Mm-hmm. But Lacrosse is definitely the fastest growing sport and um, it is getting popular here. And I'm happy to see that. Yeah, that's great, man. So, so you started coaching uh, here in the LBUSD, right? Yes, correct. Was that with Milliken? That was with Milliken. So I was helping the guys for a little bit. And then when they had a girls team, I was their assistant coach over there and for a year or so. And then Cabrillo, I got a, friend of the family said, Hey, Cabrillo's looking for a coach. So I hopped on it and Cabrillo is um, growing. Uh, like they are gaining, like, I know soccer's big over there, but yeah, they have, they have a bunch of kids that are very fascinated with the sport and they want to continue it on. And I want to see them keep the sport at Cabrillo for sure. Like, yeah. Always. Yeah. So, so, so first of all, I would totally agree. Uh, I've seen you, uh, I've seen you coach. I've seen them play and I would agree that they are, they're definitely into it. Uh, you know, they, they like it. Um, it's interesting to see how much they're, they learned. I watched one game, your game at Lakewood, and I could see how much they learned just in that one game. 
whether it's what the referee is doing or what you're trying to get them to do or, or, or whatever. Uh, but you guys are having a co-ed team over there, which I think is fascinating. Um, you know, obviously you do a co-ed team because you don't have enough to, to field, you know, multiple teams over there, but how does that change the way you coach and the fact that you've got girls and boys on the same squad? So uh, it is a very interesting to say that because the rules are very different, both boys and girls. There's contacting guys and not, there's no contacting girls. And I had a couple of girls, as you saw, they were wanting to join. So I had to convince them to have your parents come to a game that the guys are playing and let them watch it. And I'll talk with them after the game and I will have to explain to them, look, it's contact. There's a lot of checking with the stick and it's up to you if you want your daughter to play. And they were all for it. And I'm glad that they got to play in this season because this year Cabrillo couldn't field the team and uh, they are definitely um, aggressive when they, you, they see the ball, they are ready to go after it. And I'm happy that they are part of the guy squad. Yeah. It, re it really made it for more of a, uh, <laughs> a family affair, you know, a family experience. It, it felt more like the, the kids really did care about each other. Um, the, the spirit on the sideline was incredible. Who, who was the girl keeping your stats the, the girl who was working the book at the, at the table, that, she was fired up, man. Who is that? That was uh, Menorah Thau. That is Randy Thau's uh, sister. She was okay. uh, getting us all pumped up. So, and Yeah, she, she, flowing, she, overflowing with school spirit. Yep, which I like. So, And I like it at Cabrillo because these kids, they're very close to Like They know each other. They know friends who are on other sports. And that's what I like about it because they bring them all to a game so they could experience and then – when you hear them at practices, they say, hey, that was the coach or the players. Hey, that was him who made the ground ball or goal. And they just like to get them welcomed and encourage that anybody to come watch it. Yeah, that is really cool. That is really cool. Community strong over there on the west side, no doubt. I also noticed something interesting. You really let, uh, you know, you really let your kids express their ideas or their thoughts you know, during the game, especially in team huddles, I saw one of the girls pull you aside and uh, and try to tell you something. And so you took her idea that she had back to the team huddle and brought it to the team. And then they discussed it. I saw you at one point just let um, let the team captain kind of put the lineup out there and try to get his team fired up. I thought yeah. that was really interesting and a great way of teaching kids how to be leaders. Is that something you do on purpose? Uh, not purpose. Like we have a veteran guy who really is he eats and sleeps lacrosse like how i am who's that what's his name his name is daniel mendoza okay number 11 he's defense and he's very passionate about the sport and you know i have to tell you it was very interesting because this year we didn't know if we were gonna have a season or not until the week of tuesday uh our first game and we got noticed they you're playing tuesday uh, it's clear tuesday and then first game was against kren lutheran which I have to give props to the opponents we've been facing because they are so nice to Cabrillo. Like they're willing to help them and explain stuff. Like I noticed in our first game against Kren Lutheran, one of our tall players, number 20, who's a defender, his name's Jose uh, Gonzalez. And he was having trouble snapping his helmet in and the uh, Kren Lutheran guy went up to him and helped him snap his helmet in place. And they helped. And our goalie, um, Ricky Lopez, he, um, got a few pointers from them and then he's been our goalie like I know he wanted to stay at attack but 
we couldn't we needed a goalie and he stepped in and he's been on fire this year he's he's really good i i lo- really liked how well he played in the lakewood game he was strong he was strong back there but yeah you you let them you let them coach themselves i think that's i mean not all the time i definitely also heard you <laughs> getting on them a little bit making sure they were putting pressure on the ball but um but but you let that happen and i think that's really really cool I think that's uh, I think that's a way that a lot of coaches kind of overcoach. Yeah. They're just always telling kids stuff, always telling them stuff. Always, and you know, you don't let them, you don't let them grow. And I saw growth from that team from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Let alone how much growth I'm sure you're, you've seen uh, for, for, throughout the season. Are, are are you seeing them really grow into the game, kind of like you said in the beginning? I do. I did. Like from our first game, it was um, like right when the whistle blew, they were all excited. It was done, but they were so happy that they got to actually play a 48 minute game and basically having lacrosse back at Cabrillo because it's been a five-year program and this is actually like their second year as a varsity and over the years I'm not over the years uh, over the games it's been phenomenal and the one that I was very proud about was when we faced Pauly um we put up five points against them and that was a big um pat on the shoulder for them because Polly, yeah, they're a powerhouse, but they were rebuilding. But it was just amazing to see that they put five points against them. And then when we played Marina one of the other days, uh, the coach came up to me and said, you guys beat us in ground balls. And as I always tell them, like ground balls win games. And we had the most ground balls that game. So can you explain to somebody who doesn't know about lacrosse what a ground ball is? So a ground ball is when the ball is loot on the ground, if um if it's either from a check or um, if the ball is mis uh, caught or miss shot, if it's on the ground, a ground ball is when you scoop it with two hands, like you're sh- uh, shoveling some dirt. Yeah. Okay. So they basically have to box out, use two hands and scoop it and put it back up to their chest and then gain possession. So. Okay. Okay. Now, when you said earlier to cradle, how would you explain uh, some, somebody what cradle is? So cradling is like dribbling, like a soccer ball. When you want to dribble a soccer ball down the field, cradling is the main objective in lacrosse is once you catch the ball, you have to cradle. If you're not cradling, the defense is going to be checking the stick until the ball comes out. So cradling is dribbling wise. So you have to keep that in your pocket at all times. So that's what everybody sees when the, when the, uh, what do you call the end of the stick? The, the net the lacrosse head. The cross head. Yeah. So that's when it like swings back and forth to keep the ball in it while you're running as fast as you can. So it doesn't come out. Right. Exactly. Okay. You don't cradle the ball's going to come out. The ball will come out. Is that, what do you think the most difficult thing to learn uh, about lacrosse is, is it cradling? I would have to say cradling. Also you're on the run and you are running with nothing in your stick until like someone throws it to you and then you got to catch and it's cradling on the run. So you got to make sure your eye coordination is ready when the ball's coming your way. And also when on the run too, like if you're wanting to move and shoot, you're shooting on the run or always on the balls of your feet. So that's what I like to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. So, so what's the key, Danny, what's the key to getting lacrosse to take that next step get a little bit more popular? Is it getting more high school teams? Is it getting more professional teams? Is it making sure that the college continues to, uh, to, to grow or maybe even grow further on the West Coast? So I would like the farthest, uh, so a couple of things. So far West is Colorado, like it's lacrosse Nirvana. But other than that, I would like to see Jordan get the sport because uh, right now we have in the Morley currently, we got Lakewood who's just starting. 
Cabrillo, Pauly, Wilson, Milliken. Um, there's a group called Harlem Lacrosse, and it's out of LA. They're trying to get the sport recognized as well. Mm-hmm. And Compton High School has a club team. So I know there, and I talked to somebody over there, Marissa Hewitt, and she said uh, they got a club team, but they want to make go CIF next year. So if they go CIF next year, well, I'm hoping they join the Moore League and Jordan gets it. So we have a complete Moore League of all the respective Long Beach high schools. But currently I'm in the work scene that hopefully Long Beach City gets it because we got that new purpose field. So I'm hoping. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping they get it because one, uh, my, as I said, my goal is to grow this grow lacrosse here in the city of Long Beach. As, uh-huh. um, as you could see, I'm creating my own business, uh, Laxboro 562 events. And um, I'm oh, don't, don't, don't skip over that. Pl- give yourself a plug. What is it? How do people get involved? So pretty much I want the kids to, um, they just, I want them like if the sport is new to their school, try it out and make sure that like if you fall in love with it, stick with it because the lacrosse community is so tight around here. So if you're like playing at Jordan and you are like, I want to continue it in the college, then hopefully Long Beach city gets it. Or like, if you're going to like Long Beach state, right. the coach play the club side and, I am really wanting the kids to fall in love with the sport and absolutely it starts, it starts with Long Beach city because a lot of kids will go to the community college level and I'm hoping they get it there. And then they could play from the high school level to Long Beach city. And then if they're looking elsewhere, they could branch out to the local yeah. universities and play there. You're wearing a lax bro hat right now. Is there like a website people can go to or how do I get a hat is basically what I'm asking. <laughs> So I'm currently in the works of creating my website. Okay. And, um, so I created this uh, idea from, cause I'm a graduate, a graduate from the sport management program at Long Beach state that I just graduated this past summer. A great program, man. That's congratulations again on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I, from day one, I had a vision that I wanted to, I've always wanted to grow the sport after high school and kept it in mind. And then when I went to this master program, when they told us you got to create, you can create anything you want for capstone. And I knew I wanted to do something with lacrosse and how I got that Laxboro name was through my classmates because they knew I was passionate about it. So they would call me that. And um, I'm also in the works of creating merchandise. And as you saw, like you want to get a Laxboro uh, 562 hat. Um, I'm in the works of, creating merchandise and awesome i find out i'll let you know all right lacrosse growing both uh, both on and off the field man we love to see it i loved the community feel out there the game i went to um you know and everybody's learning on the fly and everybody's really friendly i i really like the fact that you brought up that thing at korean lutheran where somebody helped somebody else with a helmet like i saw somebody talk uh, two players talking to each other one from cabrillo one from lakewood during that game any other high school sport two opponents are talking to each other. The referee usually comes over and separates them and tells them not to talk. And it was almost as if it was encouraged. And I just love that feel out there, man. And again, as people who love sports in Long Beach, I respect what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Anything, anytime you need any help, you let us know, man, uh, because growing sports like this, especially in a place like the West side where these kids just want an opportunity to shine and, and represent their team, man, that that's, that's important. That's the source, dude. So thank you so much for taking the time and joining us and, and doing what you're doing out there. We really appreciate it. 
I appreciate it. And a quick thing, I want to just do a shout out to the Haudenosaunee who created the sport that they, if it wasn't for them, the Native American group Haudenosaunee, um, I would never have follow, follow in love with this sport that I really enjoy. Thanks for having me, JJ. That's it. That's all. There ain't no more. Another episode of What Up Long Beach put in the books. Mike, do you do you pull Kershaw there? Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game going for the Dodgers, and uh, they decided to pull him with 80 pitches. I'm just going to fully steal Jeff uh, Passan's tweet and say that if it was a no-hitter, I'd pull him for a perfect game at 80 pitches. I would have left him. Okay. Like there's, I- there, there's just been so few of them in baseball history, and it really felt like – he was pretty dialed in for it, but you but you can mean? but but he can <laughs> but he can pitch he can pitch late into the game and somebody can boot the ball, yeah. And then and now you've got Clayton Kershaw on 110 pitches in April, right? That's not that's not a situation I want to be in as a Dodger fan. I would say this: if he hadn't had a no hitter, if he hadn't had something statistically like that, if he didn't carry, have one of those with games him on the resume when he yeah. goes into the home into the Hall of Fame, that's fine. But he's got one. Let's go get another ring. It feels more important to me. All right. Yeah. Well, that, and that was just the the broadcasters. That's exactly what they said. They, they they're showing the conversation between Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw, and they're like, you know exactly what he's saying to him. They're saying, we, we already know you're going to Cooperstown. What do you what what do you want on the on the resume? Do you want a perfect game or do you want another World Series championship? Yep. <laughs> so yep. I don't necessarily buy that it's that you know that decision April 13th has that much to do with it, but. Airing on the side of caution with a dude who's that important, I, I get that. Well, can't win a game if you don't run, but you also can't win if you don't pitch. Shout out to all the pitchers out there, softball and baseball. Uh, it has been a joy to watch them in Lake, in Long Beach and Lakewood this year, and uh, we are excited for the playoffs. So for Mike, for everybody else at 562.org and the Long Beach Post, thank you so much for listening, guys. Please rate, review, share this podcast, let people know what's going down with Long Beach sports because that's what we do for you. We'll see you in the stands, Long Beach. Take care.